everyone and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady lady queer and everything in that spectrum. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about our history, our stories, our experiences, our projects, and we try to share and grow the sense of community that we've all always wanted. Uh, today I have a super special guest and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name is Joanne Vanicola. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited to have you here. Please tell the listeners at home all about yourself. <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm, I've been an actor my uh, entire life. I, I grew up as a, a child actor and then entered the film industry as a teenager and I'm an adult and I came out in my young 20s in film, although I came out earlier as a human being. Um, and and from that process, I sort of uh, ended up doing other things. I became an advocate, an activist for women's issues, LGBTQ issues, and youth rights. Um, I'm the chair of the LGBTQ committee here for the actors in the union. And I've had a nonprofit called Youth Out Loud. There's a website for that. Um, a whole bunch of things, but uh, art, film, um, and writing. I just I just um, published my my first memoir through Dundurn Press in in Canada, and it's out in the states now as well, and and in Europe. Um, it's called All We Knew But Couldn't Say. I have so many questions, and I don't even know where to begin. Um, oh man, I am. Very interested in your acting career. I am very interested in your nonprofit organization, and I'm very interested in your book. Where would you like to start? I'm going to let you pick. <laughs> Anywhere you feel is appropriate to start our our time together. It's oh, fine by me. Oh no, the pressure. The pressure is on. Okay. Um, I think we, we should can start, start with the acting because yeah. that's where I, I started my you know career and I, I was so young that it's probably a good place to begin the process. That's exactly what I would like to know. Um, is this something that you started or is this something that your parents always wanted for you to be an actor? Well, my mother really wanted, I think in her life, she probably desired to be in the arts and that never happened in her, her time, her generation. Um, and I think she sort of was living through me for, for quite some time. And I, and I, I was grateful for that actually, the arts, because, um, it became my form of escape, uh, because I, I grew up in a home that was uh, violent and, and, and not very loving and, and nurturing. So, that place of, of, of love and, and, and joy and acceptance and emotional safety became the art that I did. And that was theater, that was dancing, that was all of those things. So it, it, it really was a, a lovely gift in the end at that time as a child. I'm sorry to hear about that. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I've written this memoir to kind of you know, the memoir, you know, when I, uh, it talks about those early days, but then it, you know, moves through my career and then uh, pushes into the sort of political uh, aspect of what it is to be female in this industry and what it is to deal with homophobia and coming out in the 90s. And, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, secrecy and, and certainly misogyny. And so, so there's a lot of things that I write about that, uh, you know, touch on all of these parts of my life. And, um, you know, childhood was just one one component of my life, and you know, we all experience difficult things, and I think it's how we uh, process those things and use those experiences to 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 sort of steer who we are as adults, and 
hopefully make the world a better place by sharing those stories and 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 being a voice for other people so i'm okay so don't you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah i just i will always feel sad when i hear those stories because we just we deserve so much better in life like every person just deserves so much better than the cards were dealt um but let's absolutely yeah let's start on your journey of when was the first time you understood queer as a thing like as a as anything that's not straight essentially I understood that as a as a as a kid really I think because um I I had a number of 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 gay male friends uh in in the youth theater that I was in when I was uh, you know a child in Montreal Quebec where I grew up and there were amazing kids that uh were not afraid of their queerness I mean, queer wasn't used as a word at that time it was in the 80s and so you know it was gay um, but I didn't know any uh, lesbians and I didn't know the word lesbian and I, I'd never heard the word lesbian um, so by the time I, I understood my own identity I was a teenager but I, I had never heard the word and so it was really hard for me to kind of locate myself in the culture um, although I, I knew gay and I had gay male friends, I just didn't, I'd never met any, anyone who was female who was out and that there was a word lesbian. So it was a lot to try and understand and figure out in such a, uh, a secretive, closeted, homophobic culture, right? So with no reflections of, of who we are or were. You know, that's, yeah. not, that's not the first time that I've heard that of someone who, who knew the male equivalent of what they were, but they never had never seen the female version. It took them so much longer to come out. Right. So at what time did you realize it in yourself? And then at what time did you come out? So I, I sort of initially first understood probably when I was 13, but I was so afraid of my feelings. I didn't know how conscious those thoughts were really. They were just emotions that I didn't know how to process. And so I sort of tried to bury those thoughts and feelings. And it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 that I really started to understand myself more fully. Um, as somebody who was attracted to other girls and I started to accept that I probably was a lesbian. I, I mean, I would, I would walk around bars at night and, and go looking just to see other women with women. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what's going on here. <laughs> um, and so I, when I, when I felt confident about that, I, I just, I came out, you know, and I, you know, I live in an urban environment, and I, I live in, in Toronto, Canada now, here in this city. And so, you know, by the time I came out, uh, I was living alone. I, I had left home when I was 14, actually, so there was no guardian to actually come out to. It was sort of anticlimactic that way. I was just out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, no big dramatic tale on that level, except for that. Um Coming out was something that I realized I'd have to do everywhere I went, whether it was the film industry or, you know, any other social circle in the world. The assumption at the time was heterosexuality, right? So um, until I started to sort of change the way I looked in terms of gender expression, um, you know, my hair 
became very short and I never wore skirts and dresses and heels and any of those things which again became a, a massive conflict for the kind of work that I do or did as an actor because the expectation was that I would be feminine and, and, and very sexy or sexual and that I would grow my hair and, and do all these things that I just had no interest in doing. Um, so I'm curious what kind of movies you've been in. You know, I, I've done a lot of things that you probably may or may not have heard about in, in, in the States. I'm not sure. I mean, I've done a lot of Canadian uh, shows and content. Stuff in the States might be things like TV shows like Being Erica that you may have seen on Netflix or Slasher Solstice, which is big on Netflix as well right now. Um, we just did our third season called uh, Solstice, Slasher Solstice. Um, I and watch tv i don't watch uh, tv that's so funny that one is calling being erica though because like that you would think that uh, i would watch that but no that I, is so I funny. don't that's very funny of course your name is erica yeah it's a very popular show called being erica and they it played in the states as well and um it, it lasted for about four seasons and wow i i got to play a lesbian in that so you know i did play a lot of lesbian uh and queer roles because by the time i was determined to stay out. Uh, I was in my mid-20s. I'd done a, a film that was quite popular everywhere, really. It's called Love and Human Remains. So you may have seen that, or it, it's old now, but uh, it, it was a very popular film. It opened in TIFF over 20 years ago, like 25 years ago, even. I, I live under a rock. I apologize. That's okay. Don't, don't measure okay. your, your success to me in whatsoever because I... You know, <laughs> it's not about success or what you've seen or not seen. It's just we live in, in entirely different places and spaces. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that at all. I just, uh, I'm just trying to think of things that maybe uh, you may have seen or perhaps uh, somebody listening may have seen, but it ultimately doesn't really matter. <laughs> I was in, uh, sorry, somebody, something else you may have seen may have been um, Stonewall. Uh, there was a bit of controversy around that film. It was Stonewall by Roland Emmerich that came out a few years ago. Um, I haven't seen anything. But, yeah, sorry. that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's all okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my life has been... Uh, in television and film and, um, you know, and then outside of that in terms of advocacy and, and, and women's issues and youth issues and, and queer issues. But um, in terms of the arts, then that, yeah, that's a big part of it. So I have a question of how did, how did your roles change? Like, how did your life as an actor change when you came out? Like, was it, was it an immediate, like, when, when you let the industry become aware, did you see an immediate shift in the roles you were given or any kind of well you said you dealt with a lot of homo, uh, homophobia within your industry so well I, when I was young I, I actually won an Emmy um, holy cow my, I'm sorry yeah in, no that's, that's holy cow <laughs> is it holy um, I won an Emmy and, and I was in my 20s and I mean at that time there were no out lesbians in film or television and um I I felt very isolated and very lonely and alone. I didn't really know where to go, who to speak to, uh, if there were people like me uh, represented anywhere because I saw no one. I, I felt like I was alone, literally. Um, and so I went to Hollywood after, you know, from Canada, uh, a number of years after winning my Emmy to try and pursue a career 
in Hollywood. But it quickly became apparent to me that that um, you know that let's say the Emmy winning actress that they all wanted to uh, push into the industry and into the available roles that, uh, that were for women there, and that it required I stay in the closet. And um, there was one agent that said to me, uh, I know who you are, but but uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to just let that be and you're going to have to wear more lipstick. You're going to have to do this and that and everything else. And I just felt completely overwhelmed. Um, and I started to have a bit of a, a panic attack, uh, not in the office with her, but when I left because I, I didn't know how to deal with the emotional, um, reality that I was faced with and, being told to stay in the closet and femme it up essentially um, in order to to be there or be represented or be allowed into the auditions uh, it was gutting me like it was literally like I, I I didn't know how how to live inside my own skin in a way it's very hard to describe except for that I didn't think I could make it it just uh, and, and so I think I had a bit of a break in some ways and I, I ended up renting a car and I went the opposite way. I cut my hair as short as I could. <laughs> I bought some very cheap pants at a byway, which was a store where you can buy some cheap pants. And I drove around along the coast from Hollywood to San Francisco <laughs> so I could escape um, that, that what felt like a trap. Um, like a vice grip around my neck. And I just, I just needed to breathe. I needed to go see other queer people. I needed to feel like I had community somewhere. And I didn't know anyone in San Francisco, but it just felt like the right thing to do because I knew that San Francisco would be gay. And that's all I knew. And I'm glad I did it because it allowed me to feel myself for a few days and to think quietly about um, who I wanted to be and how I was going to deal with my life and career. And I made some very, very tough choices and eventually ended up back in Canada. And I didn't pursue my career in Hollywood because I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with those choices at the time. And they, they felt like non-choices. They felt like, um, you know, choosing one horrible thing over another, uh, you know, over my dignity or self. And I couldn't let go of myself in order to please an industry. So, it was like letting go of a lucrative, potentially lucrative career uh, to not harm myself, I guess, further. And that was a very hard thing to do after winning an Emmy and, and being in a space of potential great success. So it, it, it was very, very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you took the right steps because, I mean, we've seen time and time again what happens to people in, especially in Hollywood, who formulate themselves for their role to the point that they, I mean, I don't want to bring up Heath Ledger because I don't know what happened right. there, but it, it right. feels like it's just one role after another of just immersing yourself in this and not being who you really are and you, you just get lost. Yeah, I think that would have easily happened to me. It would have, could have happened to me because I'm also incredibly sensitive. Um, and I, I could have been one of those young people who, you know, just didn't make it or, you know, took an overdose of drugs or God knows what I would have done because it was that 
complex and it was that painful that I don't think I could have lived with that kind of pain uh, and stayed in the closet. I just couldn't do it. Um, and so I didn't. But um, the other side of that meant that I had to give up a potential big career. And I mean, at the time, I, I didn't really understand what that could be in my 20s. I just had to follow my gut. Um, and I did. And I'm glad I did, looking back. Uh, but it was definitely a very hard path, which would have been an easier path. I'm, I, who can say, right? <laughs> right. But, but I, I, I needed to be authentic. And, and, and probably that was the best choice that I could have made because the other would have been living not a lie, but it, it certainly would have been a type of lie, I suppose, or a kind of shameful existence or quiet or closeted existence that I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do. Just living and, with someone else. Yeah. And I, and I felt, I feel so badly for the actors of my time in that generation that made those, those horrible, difficult choices because they felt they had no other choice, right? Because that's what happens when you're an actor and you're young and you live in a culture that doesn't want you and uh, that shames you and, and blames you for your even for your very existence that wants to make you invisible and has no reflection of who you are in the work that you do, which is the other thing. There, there was no queer representation. Uh, so it, it's just what it, it was just dismal. <laughs> yeah that's the word absolutely so, Forgive me. that's very depressing I'm sorry but it was the reality right so, right right yeah I mean no one no one comes here expecting like a happy-go-lucky story like those are nice to have yeah. but no one's <laughs> expecting it like that's that's well, the whole point of a good story you start at the beginning you have conflict yeah. maybe there's tragedy and then the, you know the underdog wins yeah. it's a very popular story it is a popular tale, isn't it? And I and I wrote a book about it. So. Exactly. <laughs> All yeah. we knew but couldn't say, people. Like <laughs> that's just, the title. Exactly. And you being here today is just evidence that you know good things happen. That you can go through struggle. You can go through tragedy. You can go through. Yes. All sorts of horrible things where the world just seems against you, and you can still come out the other side. Be here. Be present. Yeah. Be successful. And be happy. Most of all. Well, I think that, you know, life itself isn't, isn't about happiness necessarily. I think that Goodness life, gracious. Uh, here we go. Right. I mean, life is, is, you know, there's a lot of grief in life. I mean, there's a lot of loss in life. People deal with tragedies all the time. People get sick, people get ill, people die, people leave, people fall in love, they fall out of love, pets live, they die. I mean, life is full, right? And so, we, I would be lying if if I said, yeah, we have life is great and successful and happy and all those things. When around us, there's so much that's going on, just even politically, let alone, you know, emotionally or personally, or the things that we all deal with in terms of trauma or recovery or grief or any of those things. So, um, life is full, and but there's also great beauty and and great joy and and beautiful things about the world and animal and water and and music and art and there's so much goodness as well right so i think that's the balance absolutely so just to get back on the storyline of your life what happened after? You... 
what what happened when you left Hollywood and went back home? Did you still go into acting or did you try to do something else for a while? You know, I never quit being an actor. That was the one, the thing that I, I would, I told myself, even though I'd thought about it many times, I just didn't want, it felt like if I were to leave the industry, like the industry would win as if it were, you know, that they, that, that they could silence me and quiet me and make me leave the career that I had, I had pursued ever since I was a child because of my expression of gender and because of my sexuality. And I just wasn't okay with that. So I never quit. <laughs> um, but I did have to do many other things. Um, I did study women's studies for a bit and anti-violence issues. Um, I did work as a social worker for a little bit. Uh, I founded a nonprofit uh, to raise awareness about child abuse issues and sexual violence against youth. Um, I did a lot of things in the world that uh, really shaped my political and social sense of justice and equity. And uh, I'm glad I did all of that stuff because it allowed me to, to grow as a person and to build a strong foundation. And then I think as an adult to find my way to, to writing the memoir that I've written and uh, to do a number of things that I think, um, as an adult, uh, looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for all of those things that uh, were kind of the groundwork, really, and the seeds for, for the work that I do now. Absolutely. So let's, yeah. let's go on to talking about your memoir. Uh, what, sure. I guess, what was the moment that you decided this is something I needed to write that this is something I needed to share with the world. Was there a specific event that sparked this or was this something that you just were thinking about for a long time? You know, I, lo I always loved to write. I mean, I, I used to write all the time. I would write journals endlessly um, then I would burn them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I used to write plays and then poetry. And, and then I, you know, I was, I, I was an actor. I am an actor. And so I, I'm so used to dialogue and, and poetry and, and lyric. And, you know, there's a sense of storytelling um, that I, I think I've always just instinctively had as a part of my life. Um, but, but telling my own life story uh, didn't really, it wasn't necessarily the thing I thought of to do. I initially wanted to write a novel um, based on what I, you know, would have been experiences of my life. Um, but it wasn't working as a novel. And it, it, it was about seven years ago that uh, a mentor of mine, an author mentor named David Layton, who's a, an author, a really lovely man, uh, read my novel then and said, no, you know, I really believe that this would make a great memoir, but it's up to you if you want to um, to go that path or not, but it reads like a memoir, and I think it would be a really good memoir. Um, and so it took me some time to make that decision, and like a few months, and, and when I decided to do that, then I rewrote it entirely uh, a few years ago, and then, uh, uh, you know, pursued finding a publisher. And uh, so it was a long journey and a long path to getting to this point of, of being okay with it, telling my own the story of my life which is much bigger than you know being an actor in the film industry it's it's about confronting sexual violence it's about leaving home as a young girl at the age of 14 and it's about living on my own in the world and surviving that and then and then entering the film industry and dealing with 
sort of extreme levels of misogyny and homophobia uh, in a in, in a in a public uh, career that uh, was really quite harmful and and you know as we look back I'm, I'm you know if we even the Me Too movement that in of itself uh, when that blew up I mean. I think that you know the the pendulum started to sort of swing a little bit in terms of women finally uh, voicing an opinion and and being more vocal and public about you know what it is to be female in the industry and 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 how are we going to change things and and what are we going to do now and what's next right it just feels like there was a moment in time there that that changed things and so I, I'm I'm really grateful for that moment in time even though women had been working for 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 decades. Uh, around women's rights and LGBTQ rights, um, you know, there's a lot of people who did the, who did the work that uh, preceded that movement. But um, you know, I'm still, you know, I think we're in the middle of it now, right? Trying to m- move our way forward from from that place. So I don't know if that made sense, but no, definitely. I I hope it goes all the way. I hope it goes all the way to the top. I. Man, I am yeah. so ready. I it's just so hard when you look at movies these days. Like I, I listen to a podcast called The Bechdel Test, where they essentially it's a very yeah. you listen to it too, or you just know about no, it? I don't, but I know I know what you I know that phrase. Right, right. They're just they're like two comedian women who um, look at movies through a feminine lens, and they the the Bechdel test that they use is like. You know, there has to be two female actresses or female-identifying actresses that, you know, they each have names and they say, like, two lines of dialogue to each other that are, that's not about a man. And most movies fail. And it's absolutely yeah. crazy. And it's and it's it's harmful. It's been harmful to the world for a very long time. And people say, well, it's fiction. It's just entertainment. But, I mean, there, it, there needs to be some level of responsibility because seeing is believing. And if anything, we, we see now the results of just watching these movies and these shows over and over again where the representation for women or just people that are not men, that are not cis, healthy, able men is just... Right. It's and insane. It's, it's not just fiction. It's not just fiction because, you know, the culture, whether it's music or film or, or, or theater or television... It reflects who we are. I mean, this is, we all do, we all consume it. We all consume these things. And if you tell little girls that, that they're not worthy or that what they're, you know, what they're needed or wanted for is their bodies or, you know, that their brains don't matter or that their safety doesn't matter or their sexuality doesn't matter or, or, you know, their feelings or thoughts or strength or feminism or whatever it is, that none of that stuff matters, then that's what girls internalize. And, and it's just a fact, Um, you know, and as a girl who was in the industry, the film industry, and still am in the industry, but I, I only play lesbian and non-binary parts now, by the way. <laughs> that, that to you. Yeah, that, that I have done since since I came out. That is all I have done. The last heterosexual part I played was in my 20s. Um, so it's wow. it's been a difficult path, but, but I've still maintained that. <laughs> so, I, would, um, I would love to ask you, like, have you sure. seen the amount of roles? And you were on something. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I'm like, I really want to yeah. know. Have you seen the amount of roles available for that increase over the years? No. Uh, what? No. <laughs> this. Uh, that was like I, I, a cold I, splash I of water on me just now. 
so so it doesn't mean that there aren't roles like you know every once in a while it's you oh billionaire has a role for a non-binary character or you know batwoman is a you know you know lesbian or non-binary so it doesn't mean that there aren't roles or that it's not getting better uh it's just that it's so slow um and it's 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 not it's not representative it's it's like i would call it like the one percent shift oh, perhaps no. right that we've got up a few notches but we're we're far from e- you know at equal representation right and not only that but i think part of the problem as well is that uh a, a lot of heterosexual actors uh, play the parts of uh lgbtq people and while there's this excuse that there may not be enough LGBTQ actors to play LGBTQ roles, I don't think that's an acceptable excuse anymore. I think as a culture, we need to be invested in caring for young people who want to go in the industry and feel like there's a place for them to be. Young people who wish to be actors, who happen to be queer, will move into the industry or pursue their careers uh, if they if they really see and know that there's there's going to be a place for them. But until we're brave enough culturally to step up and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that, you know, 40% of whatever programming is dedicated to LGBTQ people or, you know, we're only going to hire queer people for queer parts. We just have to be braver. We have to be better. Um, and and we have to make space for LGBTQ stories, programming, directors, writers, actors. We just have to we just have to do that piece of work so that equal representation exists. Preach. Put it Excuse on a, me. Put it on a mug. I, went, I will. I went. I went on a rant. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is good. Like I feel you. I like these are things yeah. that need to be said. They need to be said so many times. That it becomes yes. something they chant at parades or absolutely walks and I, or I, whatever I, protests. Yeah, yeah. And I, I chair a, a committee in, in in Canada in in the union here in Toronto. It's the it's called Out Actra To. It's the first LGBTQ committee for actors in our union, and I started it a couple about a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, but it, it's one of the messages I'm trying to get out now to to people, not not just in our union, but culturally, but. You know, if you want to be a good ally, straight people or even straight actors, think about not auditioning for our parts or not accepting our roles uh, and, le- and let those be, you know, maintained for queer people because the flip side doesn't really exist to the, to the same degree unless you're closeted or you pass as cis femme or whatever those things are, cisgendered or straight. Uh, we can't be hired for the roles that you know, those straight um, cis femme roles, for example, if you're someone like myself who's non-binary and, you know, uh, looks a certain way and, 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 and doesn't want to play straight roles, but we don't play those roles. And those are the roles that uh, the mainstream culture generally write, is, are written for. Uh, so stay away from the queer parts. That's how you, you start to be a good ally as an actor. Uh, if you're if you're a straight you know cisgendered actor, um, so that's one of the messages I'm trying to get out. But even the larger culture, right? Like, let's write for queer people. Let's write authentic uh, queer roles. Let's be intersectional about it. Let's you know make sure that we're making space for people of color and black trans people. And like, let's really 
let's be better, right? Let's let's do better. Absolutely. I now I have questions about this union stuff because trust me, we <laughs> living in the world of capitalism USA. I know nothing yeah. of unions at all, and I'm like, right. how do you, now I have like a lot of logistical questions. Like, how do you start that? Where does that come from? Just tell me what you want to tell me about it, because otherwise we'll sit here all day. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you want to know about the I, union? Like, I guess actors union. I know that they exist mm-hmm. and they need to exist because otherwise they wouldn't pay you guys squat. Because let's be real, right. people who make money don't want to pay other people money. Let's just That's correct. It's just a reality. So yes. how, I guess the question is, when you decided to start the LGBT Actors Guild Union, whatever mm-hmm. your official title is for it, I apologize if I'm just butchering no it all problem. over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, okay. How did you go about starting that? And like, what conflicts do you face now for having that? Like, what well, kind of... sorry, go yeah, ahead. The union, the union already exists. The union is ACTRA. That's the Canadian ah. union that, that represents all actors. What I did is I started a, an LGBTQ committee and um, it's its official committee. And, and therefore we get to do some important things uh, that are about education that are hopefully about making making some change in in the industry itself uh, we've certainly done a lot of great things around changing language so it's not just she he but we have she he they them um you know we're, we're making sort of minor changes but hopefully bigger changes so we just shot a psa about being queer in the industry and about queering your stories uh, you know, we're hoping to educate casting directors and directors and agents, people in positions of power, so that they understand that it's not okay to shame or blame us or to try to make us stay in the closet. Uh, and so there's a lot of stuff that we can do and that we're trying to do. Um, but it's, you know, baby steps in, a, in an industry and also in a, in a, in a union where, you, you know, you have to do things at the pace that you can do them at in a, in a formal larger institution so uh things take time but 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 we're doing we're doing our best absolutely with anything it takes it unfortunately takes time there literally rome was not built in a day and and any kind of change is going to take a while yeah and i think sag uh, in the United States, also has an LGBTQ component to to the uh, to the union as well. Oh, fantastic! That's good to know. As yeah. someone who is yeah, someone who is not a woman in the arts, it's good to hear that the arts is going well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag because again, when you when you look at you know the the, the power dynamics, uh, people at the top have been white cis guys, heterosexual men. And we know how that's gone. <laughs> it's getting boring. Like, they don't like hearing yeah. it. They, their it's... entire world is being tossed upside down. And, you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. They, they have been on top all of their lives. Their fathers have been on top. Their grandfathers have been on top. And now that something's changing, they feel like they're losing their entire world. And I, I understand that. And I also want to say um, tough luck. <laughs> yeah well exactly right and I think we have to we have to say those things and we have to look at race we have to look at gender we have to look at sexuality I mean 
it's not just one issue, right? Like if we're really being intersectional, if we're really talking about equity, if we're really talking about diversity and changing the power dynamic, then we have to think about all of all of these things and all of the people that um, that make up who we are. And and if we're talking about film and television being a reflection of culture, then then we have to talk in a broader sense as well, right? That the straight white guys, I'm sorry, but it's time for you to step aside because uh, there are many people um, that that should and deserve uh, a space at the table and in the screen, on the screen and in the writing rooms and at the top of the networks and, uh, you know, and, and, and it's time, right? I, I think that's that, that phrase, time's up. <laughs> right. I mean, they can, they have 60 years of movies. They can go back and just watch. They can, That's they true. can, they can just give us a little bit of room because they don't need stuff, new stuff about them coming out all the time. Because I can guarantee you, even if we stopped, if we literally stopped today making movies about them and started making movies about everyone else, they will still have so much content they would not be able to get through it within their lives. No. And also, when you think about, you know, things are very, very slow moving. So, for example, I don't know how or where you are about the film world, but in Venice, there's a, a you know, a, a festival, and it's a very big film festival. And, for example, Roman Polanski won the Grand Jury Prize, which is a very big prize, but I mean, he's a rapist. The guy's a rapist. Not only that, he's basically a child rapist. He's not he even allowed in the United States anymore. Oh, he couldn't even go to Venice to accept his, his prize. So I think, well, what is going on here? Like, why is that even possible that, a, you know, a it's, film... It's all the way to uh, the top. It's just... It's, yeah. So, trust me, when I say things are slow, changing slowly, it's because they're, they are slowly changing. It doesn't mean it's not changing and there aren't amazing people doing great things. There are. Uh, like Ava DuVernay, I think, is a genius and to be seen when they see us. Maybe not, but I, genius. So, please do not. It's okay. It's I'm totally so okay. But it's totally okay. I'm talking about, you know, intersectional things, right? I'm talking about race. I'm talking about gender and I'm talking about sexuality. And there are great things happening. It's just, it's not happening fast enough. Just like it's not happening fast enough in the greater world. It just right. isn't. And We've regressed even politically and socially. So Ugh. I think that's we're I think in a bit that's of problem. That's the, I think that's the what do they call that? The the progress of progress. You you start making awareness and the conscious decision to do better, and there will always be an opposing party that will try to halt you every step of the way because they just can't they just can't deal yeah. with the change. Well, the backlash is fierce, isn't it? Oh, goodness gracious, love it. I'm sure you were aware of our political situation down here. <laughs> Do you think that, you know, while while horrible things are happening in the United States right now, oh my God. because of the president that you all have over there, oh you, we're at risk. We're at risk in other countries because there's kind of like um, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's a it's like a, a runoff right? effect. Yeah, it's exa- like, yeah, exactly. It's like, the rise of the right, as if it's giving license to people to be horrible and to say horrible things and I feel do like we horrible need to things. Change that saying. It shouldn't be alt right anymore because there's really nothing right about it. Yeah, no, nothing right. It's it's horribly racist, misogynistic, homophobic, um, and, and 
patriarchy. It's patriarchy, and it's so destructive. Uh, you know, just just as you know, we're seeing in, in the planet what's happening now in terms of you know, climate change, right? So everything just feels very heightened. Um, and I'm I'm desperately hoping that you know the United States, uh, we're hoping in Canada, many of us that that things change when when the election happens in your in your country. I think even if it does change and even if it does start getting better, we we need to work very hard at not forgetting what has happened these Absolutely. last four years. We can't forget the people who have dredged themselves up because they feel like the majority is on their side. We need to recognize the people who are misogynistic, the people who are hateful, the people who, ha- who you know, for a long time we thought they were gone. Like, like there are many people around me that thought, you know, the KKK didn't exist anymore, that somehow they right. were lost in the 1970s, 1980s, whatever. I'm not good at yeah. history, please don't at me. Um, okay. You know, okay. We, we thought that they no longer existed, but they still do, and they still go around and do what they do. Yeah. And I love, I have to, this is off topic, but it yeah. does me joy every time to realize that hate groups, they are not all created equal, and they don't all like each other. Like, do you know who right. the Westboro Baptist Church is? I'm pretty sure I'm saying their name wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, a, I know who you mean. It's amazing. I've actually told people who they were and they're like wow i've never heard of them and i'm like how can you be i guess it doesn't affect them um but it's it does my heart good to know that the leader of the kkk actually hates the westboro baptist church and thinks they are the most miserable human beings on the planet and i'm just like that's amazing (laughs) that's amazing when when a very racist and horrible like group of people hates another hate group and it's nice to know that they will never (laughs) band together for the greater good because they could not get along Um, or you know you know the frightening thing is though this that they're so stupid like there's a a, a, like a level of ignorance like extreme ignorance as well as sort of narcissistic or righteousness Mm -hmm. that is is steeped in ignorance and i and that's what's dangerous right to me um is that is is that combination of of ignorance and 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 righteousness um you you know and that belief that they really are better or the best or the only way or you know that's frightening um and And i think that's the stuff that Mm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what we have to eradicate, right? That thinking and and we need to eradicate Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't mean like I'm like very passionate about the subject. I'm like, go on, please, go on. You're my guest. No, no, please <laughs> feel free to talk. I don't have to. I'm not. I'm not on a box. Go for it. And like, gentrification has become so dangerous. So I mean, I think it's always been dangerous, but it's it's coming to a point where it's unignorable. Like, um, a fun thing about the South, uh, of course, the Civil War, stupid. Um, we should. Mm-hmm. The South should, the federal people who wave the Confederate flag, honestly, should not. This is a hot take. I understand it's a hot take. I don't think they should be allowed to continue to celebrate, you know, the South or the Confederacy in that way, considering if you look at history, how it's been for the rest of the world, the loser in any war gets, you know, they get absorbed. They either get absorbed or... I mean, it's horrible. Like, I hate learning mm. history, knowing that such great civilizations have been just been absorbed in the conquest of right. the world. Uh, but 
Well, it's colonialism, right? Is and kind I of... just feel like it's completely and utterly unfair that the South gets to have a presence down here, considering they lost that war. They lost by a mm-hmm. lot. And what gets me is that in, there are towns in the South that have statues erected of the generals from the South, of like these Confederate armies, and people will look at them and think they've been there for ever that they've been there since the civil war but they were only erected during like the early 80s late 70s probably even later than that and people mm-hmm. will look at them and think they've always been there and that this is a part of their culture and it's just it's it's mm-hmm. gentrification it's like the idea of like oh this is always this is the way it's always been so it must be right is dangerous it's dangerous and well, somebody knows about it and they they're doing it on purpose is it legal in in the south? Maybe it is, and I don't know because I'm in Canada. Who knows? Is it legal to have the Confederate flag out and up? Of course, a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people do it everywhere. I, I, thought, I thought so. Yeah. I mean, there's We're not, no law. We don't we don't do that in in Canada. There's a law here that you're not. You know, you, you, the Confederate flag is not acceptable here. You know, I so. would. I would that's amazing. I love that information because who wants yeah. to wave a loser's flag anyway? Uh, well, it's, it's dangerous for me to say this because well, trust me, I have neighbors who they will drive by in their trucks and they have like Confederate flags flagging. It's awful. It's awful. I mean, to me, that's that's horrific. That's I mean, that is like about you know racism and slavery and and they don't and, think uh, it's about that either. They will say everything they can that oh, it's not about slavery. It's not about racism. It's about insert whatever their fathers told them whatever they no, decided to cannot, tell themselves and it's that it's not defendable or it's not it's not you know they cannot say that i mean we do. all know that that's not true they do uh and it's unacceptable and and you know i think like i'm 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 a white person and as a white person it's i think it's our responsibility to to speak out about that as well because we have to be better allies for for people of color as well like it's not we need to be able to be vocal about that and they shouldn't have to do that on their own right Absolutely. so and they they will make we should be excuse like they they will i've literally talked to people who are like it's not mm-hmm. about racism it's about us being against the north and all the machine no. they will make it they will make it about like I, i'm gonna be real with you like the north wasn't saints either like war no. there's not a good or a bad in war like there's there's not like we love the dialogue of world war Two, where it was you know, right. the good United States against the Nazis. Right. When when you right. look at history, Russia did most of the work. So, <laughs> But also, I mean, we invaded this entire continent and, and killed indigenous people So, and took their land. We claimed this continent. Uh, the, the colonizers claimed this continent. So if we're really honest... <laughs> I, mean, I love having this This is not our place. I know. I love having this conversation of race and like yeah. good versus bad as two white individuals who are obviously profiting from all of this crap. And ah, gosh, we're getting into that area where I'm like, whoo, someone is going to add us on our privilege for sure. And sure. And it gosh, is privilege. But but the absolutely. other thing is that this is part of, of talking things out and being honest and trying to be good allies and you know expecting that of our of our of our brothers and sisters as well and and other communities and other races and genders and we have to expect that people are going to step up and be better allies and we have to feel that 
in ourselves and 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 strive for that in ourselves as well Absolutely. and that's how we change that's how we change ourselves and how we change the world is by being honest and by having dialogues and saying these things so that you know if if we say something that's inappropriate or wrong that yeah it's okay to challenge us you know you go for that but let's let's be real about it and let's 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 do it in a place that, that in a space that is about equity and moving forward for everyone, right? So, yeah. Okay, I'll stop now. No, I, I like I'm literally, literally sitting here going, "How do you move away from the subject of politics?" Because we could sit here and talk about it all day. Like we mentioned sure. before, we mentioned it before okay. about Chick Fil A. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> if you right. want to talk about, okay, so you wanted to hear? Stop. About... We'll stop now. This is a perfect edit moment, right? So... <laughs> Hello there. I just wanted to jump right in and, you know, as a thank you for listening and for supporting this podcast, I have decided to erase the very long, very passionate, very tiresome rant I had about Chick-fil-A and injustice and everything. And I decided to fill it out with something, something a little, a little less full of venom, a little less angry. Uh, I would rather the podcast be a place for you know, understanding for that have that level of peace in some ways to to be a place of support. So here are some words from an awesome podcast you should also check out. Hi, I'm Lauren Flans. And I'm Nicole Payson. And we have a podcast called Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, where queer folks from all walks of life tell us their coming out stories. We've had incredible guests like Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Dot Marie Jones from Glee, Brianna Venskis from, like, every show ever, and many, many more. Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole is available on all the podcast platforms. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at at comingoutpod. Thanks for listening, and we hope you check us out. Bye. Thanks. Make sure to give them a listen. Now back to the podcast. Uh, gosh, we've gone off topic so far. Off topic. It's off okay. It's okay. Topic. We have been speaking for an hour and 17 minutes, so we... Are you are you done with me yet? No, absolutely not. You have not. other questions. <laughs> I all the questions. I'm very fascinated about all the stuff you've been doing. I, I love content creators. I love people who are trying to promote the cause. I like to pick their brain and figure out at what point did you just stand up and say that's enough and decide to join the fight. Like I, I love to learn that about people. Yeah, sure. So ask away. What would you like to know? Where? I gotta figure out where we were at. So it sounded lost. like I called you Eric. I didn't mean Eric. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's, you know, one time I was talking to someone and they're like, "Oh, by the way, what's your name?" And I said, and I just, my typos are rampant yeah. because right. I just, I, I know what I'm supposed to say, but my fingers don't always agree with what I'm trying to say. And I said I... Eric to someone, and it took, <laughs> and it like literally, it took me like three other replies to be like, "I'm Erica." I swear to right. God, because they were like right. explaining their pronouns to me, and I'm sure right. they thought. And there's nothing wrong with people thinking that I'm a different gender a or that I'm transgender yeah. or anything right. like that. I right. just right. It's funny. Just, you know, my, my fingers want me to be this terrible person. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it wants me to deceive people when I'm not trying to. Yeah. I'm going to cut this whole freaking thing out. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> All right. So 
when we're ready to cut back in. What do you want to ask? I don't know. I guess. I guess so. So as a person of the arts, explain to someone who is not a woman of the arts, what's the difference between a novel and a memoir? Because I thought about this earlier and I just I'm sorry to circle back around to this, but I'm like, please educate me because I. Sure. So a, no- a novel is, is a fictional, uh, a fictional book. Okay. Well, uh, yes. All, all made up, right? So, you know, a memoir is a true to life uh, story about your your life or a, a segment of your life, whatever it is that you're writing about. But it's real. It's it's something that happened to the author in their life. Is is there a difference uh, between the formatting? I guess this is what I'm trying to. No, the formatting is, isn't it? And the structures are usually the same. And, you know, certainly individual authors and you know, artists have, have a way of writing that might be unique to them. But uh, there's no difference in terms of structure or book lengths or any of those things. It's okay. really just one is, is about true life and, and the other is, is fictional. Okay, so that's exactly what I thought it was. I just had to cl- yeah. clarify because I was like, does it, does it really matter and I guess I, I guess your story as a whole would be a lot more impactful to hear it as a memoir than to add it as something fictional yeah I mean it's a very different experience now that it's a memoir and then people are reading the story of my life versus a fictional story that I once you know thought I was writing so how does that feel knowing that people are literally picking up a book and just reading through your life like this is obviously something you wanted otherwise you wouldn't put it out into the world but well, it was a raw, vulnerable uh, place, I think, to, to be. When when the book came out, I was very nervous and, 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 and feeling a little vulnerable because I wasn't really sure how it would be received and how people would react and respond and things they would say. But, the, you know, it wasn't just that I wanted people to know my story. It, it really felt a lot larger than me. I, I wanted to write a story that... I thought other people and other women, other girls, other queer people um, had likely or potentially experienced, but never had the ability to voice their story. Uh, and 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 part of me felt like I was I was opening a space to be able to, to tell a public, you know, in a public space, so that people could see themselves or start a dialogue or perhaps um, you know experience something that they needed to do in their own lives, like whether it was coming out or whether it was confronting violence issues or, or dealing with sexual violence or, or, or the, or whatever industry they work in, or I means any number of things that I write about, um, that I, I think other people might see themselves in or hopefully can. And if not, then maybe it's a good educational, um, space for, for, for people to, to learn about, you know, the lives of people like me and us and, and, and what, uh, you know, the different experiences that we have in the world as, as women and queer people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So- yeah. Like, I mean, I think when I, when I think about writing and speaking and, and representation, um, there is, you know, I feel like I'm moving in that direction myself. I'm trying to create content and write content for for queer people and women and um, not just in, in books, but also in screen. And so I feel like it's important for all of us to kind of push ourselves to, to be what we want, 
in, in terms of the, the reflection. This is my field. I work in film as well. So what can I do uh, to make more space for people like me? You know, I can try to create content. It might take a while because I'm not, you know, uh, in Hollywood and, and I don't have a lot of funding. So, uh, but, but that's what I can do. And I can keep writing. And, um, you know, my goal is to also speak and do some speaks and maybe a TED Talk and um, go to places where I can have dialogues with, with large groups of people. So these are things that are really important to me moving forward and, and writing more books and, and just reaching more people. Um, but I think for me, the, the goal is to really get people to read the memoir and all we knew but couldn't say, and, um, to, to use that memoir as a springboard for other conversations like we're doing now. I just, I think it's complex because when we, you know, we can, go off track and talk politics or we can talk about women's lives and violence issues and we can talk about youth issues and coming out. I mean, there's so many components that are actually inside my memoir because it's a massive journey as a book. Um, so it's easy to go off topic and talk about all these things, but, but it's life, right? It's, it's all encompassing. I think it's the same way we were talking about grief and, and happiness. It's life isn't just about happiness. And so, um, you know, it's it's much broader and fuller as our lives are. So it's, it's certainly easy to veer to the left. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's it's so crazy how we've been. We have the ability to show the world our point of view. We have the ability. Well, some of us have the ability. Excuse me, to show the world our point of view, and that the people who have the power to do these things have promoted almost the same narrative for so long and it's just like how can people be so narrow-minded and at the same time I think about myself like back before I came out as queer back before I joined I I actively tried to join the community and my world was so much smaller I was so unaware of the rest of the world and I don't know where I was going with this Really but look at this. We're connecting from, you know, Texas to Canada to, exactly. you know, wherever it is that you, you speak with your, you know, your guests. And and this is the great thing about life, right? This is the great thing about community and connection and change and hope. This, to me, is fantastic. Um, and so I think that's the other thing I wanted to say, that while there might be that narrative of, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the people who hate, um there's also this whole other reality happening, and that's like young people, like was it Greta Thunberg, the one, the climate activist? I think that's how you say her name. It just makes and me the, so mad every time she posts on Twitter. There's like, I can't understand how a full-grown adult who is supposed to be like this shining figure in politics or in you know on the surface of society, and they just talk garbage about anyone who is trying to make a change, like anyone who is trying to voice for change. And I just do not understand where in their head they're like, okay, I'm going to comment on this person's thing and I'm going to talk about how insane they are. Like how, how, where in your mind does this say, yeah, that's a good idea. Like just because you've been making the same mistake for 20 years of your life and someone's trying to change it, you know, like admit you were wrong. That's a reflection of, of, of their ignorance though right but if you if you think for example about all the great people that's those parkland students i mean there are so many young people who have it who have it and they they're on track they're ahead of our generation 
and they're doing the right thing and they're doing as much as they can to raise awareness. And I think that's the hope, right? To me, that's right, the thing I like right. to speak about because the youth today of the ones that are plugged in and that are trying to make a change and raise awareness, they, they are just, um, I don't know. I just think they're like special. It's almost like they get it and they're working as hard as they can to sort of right the wrongs of the older generation and, I just admire them so much, and I think exactly. if those young if those young people have the ability and the strength and the moral code and the passion to to be equitable and diverse and to care about the climate and to care about you know people of different genders and sexualities and races the way that they do, uh, we have to step up. We all have to do better. We have to match their passion and their power, and 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 support them, and 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 do do the right thing. Um, and that's why conversations like this do matter. That's why it's okay to get frustrated, but we have to stay on track, right? We can't lose track and or lose hope because those young people are trying to keep hopeful. Those young people have to survive us. <laughs> so, like, right. so we have to do better. So I, I think I keep going back to that and going back to, again, my purpose for writing and my purpose for speaking and my pur- purpose for doing things like this um, is to be part of that voice and, 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 and change the world, really. It's not so corny, but at least make a dent, right? So I'm trying to do my part to make a dent and uh, I'll, I'll feel you know better about my time on this planet, right? So, and thank you. I'm just gonna say this ahead of time. As someone who has not seen any of your movies, probably, and has not read your <laughs> book, I'm still going to say thank you. Just thank you so much for even making an effort. Oh, you're welcome. And I, anything you know, thank you. And I think you're making an effort. And we'll always keep changing and evolving and that's what we do if we've if we've got our you know if we're thinking and we're feeling and we're and we're working on it and we're trying and we're empathetic and wanting to make the world a better place right so hopefully you know we'll talk again someday maybe and 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 maybe we'll we'll have a different conversation about where things are at absolutely Um, absolutely i don't know if that was your like can i come back on the show question because the answer is always yes (laughs) You know, it would be it would be a fascinating thing to have a follow up conversation after the election, for example, right? Oh like, gosh, if I am, I might it might be a couple of weeks, it might be a month after the election. It depends yeah, on which way it but, goes, because I might be recovering. But no, I get it. But that you know, I think that's going to be like for whatever happens, that's where we all have to double down one way or the other and get really focused. Absolutely, right? Jesus, so. help me all. I... <laughs> And I think the other thing I want people to know is maybe where they could find my my book and maybe reach, you know, uh, find right. my website Absolutely. and stuff like that. Because we've been, we've been talking a while. And if anyone is as tired as I am, because we yeah. have so much energy and I agree with you so much with my entire being. Anyway, let's get to the guest. <laughs> let's, let's do the guest against question first. And I promise you will have all the time oh, yeah. in the world to plug in all of them. Right. Yeah, I got it. Because okay, I don't yeah. know about you, but when I hear in the podcast when people are talking about, this is where you can find us, I assume that it's over. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, let us move on to the subject of the guest to guest question. The guest to guest question is where my guest from the last podcast will ask my guest from this podcast a question. And, oh, 
I don't know how this happens. Without knowing anything about you or who you are or even who the next person was going to be. So they have literally the perfect question for you without knowing anything about you. <laughs> Which I don't know how that happens in the world, but it, it does, believe it, more times than not. And their question is, with all the money, influence, and power at your disposal, what movie or TV would you like to see made? Uh, what would be the ideal representation that you would want to see on screen? Ooh. I know. It's a real, I like, I literally, when I knew I was interviewing, I was like, this is so perfect. That's interesting. Although, I mean, I don't really know in terms of, like, story, if that was a story question, but in terms of representation, oh, you know, I think about this a lot because I'm, I'm working on writing on screenwriting and, and developing projects now. And part of my goal, and this is what I want to see, and so I'm trying to create what I want to see, uh, is definitely to have a lot of queer characters, um, to be uh, really intersectional, to really think about, you know, having a lot of people of color and, um, you know, representing in a way that feels full and that's, uh, you know, less straight, less white men, that kind of thing, because I think that's the kind of programming that I want to see. And I think it's the kind of programming we all need to absorb. And my hope is that we'll move in that direction. And so I think that's a really interesting question for me, <laughs> but that's definitely, that's definitely what I want more of. I want, I want to see the stories that I haven't seen and I want, I want to learn and be absorbed in those lives and, and get away from what we've all been watching for the last 50 years because I'm so bored of it. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I will preach it till the sun goes <laughs> away, till it explodes and kills us all. But um, yeah. it's, the narrative is so boring and overused. They it need, is, it is so new. boring. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I, I think the root question was what movie or TV show would you like to be? I, I guess that answers that question. I, uh, hmm. I think it does. Like, I, I, mean, I'm I don't satisfied. know what else. I'm satisfied yeah. with that answer. So, yeah. yeah. It was good. It was fantastic. It's a fantastic. I'm actually not surprised by your answer whatsoever. Yeah. That's how right. much I feel like I've gotten to know you so far. I feel like I know you too, Erica. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. Uh, so, but what question will you have for our next guest? And you can take what, your time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. After having a conversation with you, I would say, like, what, what is it in the world that you think you might contribute to the culture that can help maybe make a dent and, and, and create a, a, a more accepting and, and open space for, uh, for someone of the next generation? That might be my question. Goodness. Does that make sense to you? Did you get that question? I, I did. I'm going to have to re-listen to that so I can like type it down so I can word it correctly. Usually I ask people, how would you answer that question? But you've already answered it. So now I have no follow-up. <laughs> but that is a really good question. I hope the next guest has a fantastic answer for it. And if they don't, you can save it for someone else. <laughs> I, I don't know. I usually, you know, sometimes when it's a really difficult question, like I had someone who was like, what is your favorite place to, like, to people watch queer people? And I'm like, well, some people don't have queer people around them ever, yeah. as I reflect on my own situation. Um, right, right. But I guess, would you want to give a part 
two or a, uh, a, a question B? I don't. Mm. A, a second question. Yes. Right? I, there were words coming out of my mouth and I swear yeah, I was trying to make that's sense. okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're allowed to be tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, nope. I don't. That's all right. <laughs> We will, we will make up something. We'll, you know why? Podcast I'm tired too. I mean, I understand. It's like I think I know another question it's right like now. What? Ten eleven over there? You're tired. That's the question that came out came to me, and that's the one you're getting. That's, that's what we're gonna have. It's, we're gonna we're gonna move through it together. Um, I do have yes. one last thing for you, and it's sure. this is a new segment. It's gonna be the guest's recommendation. So, what would you recommend? To anyone, I, this is very um, the master at vague questions to give to strangers with no follow up whatsoever. Right, exactly. <laughs> but what would you recommend <laughs> to the general populace? Like, what do you have that you love that you would think you, that you would want to share with someone else? You know, I'm all about stories, right? So. To me, I, I, I love, for example, on Netflix, When They See Us, I love Jill Soloway. I like, um, you know, who's, who did Transparent and Six Feet Under, and I think she's she's got a, a show coming out again. And so I think, like, it's really important to kind of read books and consume shows and, and by, by people in our community and beyond our community. And so my recommendations are, are, are those two as, as an example. Yeah. Fantastic. That's absolutely lovely. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come to speak with us. I had such a great conversation. I think it's going to be so hard. I don't know if I will take out any of it other than me screaming about Chick-fil-A. Um, You're gonna, <laughs> you'll be fine with the editing. You have perfect moments to cut away. Absolutely. It's going to be fine. But listen, I really appreciated uh, speaking with you. Oh, yeah, I didn't say my website. Yes, so this, is, this is exactly where you plug in all of your goodies. Right. Um, so there's a few, so I'll try not to take up too much space. But And my name is so long. I'm so sorry. I, you know what? I saw your name in the email, and I was like, wow, I bet she has wonderful childhood stories to talk about. And I <laughs> forgot to ask you. That's okay. That could be for our next podcast together. <laughs> Oh, my name. I'm so sorry, listeners, and it's long, but but hopefully it'll be worth it. But uh, my name is Joanne Vanicola, and uh, I have a couple of websites. Uh, the one of them for the book is uh, joannevanicolaauthor.com. Uh, the title of the book is All We Knew But Couldn't Say. And um, I have a blog, Joanne Vanicola blog, and you can reach me through Instagram and Twitter at Joanne Vanicola. Um, and there's joannevanicola.com. So there you go. There's all, all of those options. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you, Erica. Thank I, you very much for the conversation. And, uh, I hope that your listeners, um, enjoyed it or got something out of it. And, uh, I, hope I that... certainly hope so. And you would have yeah. been, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> All good. I really, I really appreciated speaking with you as well. So thank you for that. Absolutely. <laughs>